0: You know, guys, I've heard it said that if you took a picture of faith, it would just be a blur. Because faith is action. It's doing. It's a verb. The Bible defines faith for us in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says, now faith is. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. In other words, it's trusting God with the impossible. It's trusting God with the things that I cannot see or that I don't understand. While that may seem a little bit scary, it can also be very exhilarating if you think about it, because it often means stepping out of our comfort zone. It often means taking a risk, which is counterintuitive for most of us, because most of us try to avoid risk. We stay as far away from risk as we possibly can. Listen to me, guys. You will never accomplish anything great for God if you're not willing to push the limits. If you're not willing to take a risk for the kingdom of God, if you're not willing to color outside the lines. I want you to look at what Jesus said. It's a passage that you're familiar with in John chapter 10. It says the thief or Satan or the devil who's talking about. Jesus said the thief comes only in order to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus said, "I came that they might have that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance." Life was meant to be enjoyed, not just endured. I know that, that, that just seems hard for some of you to comprehend because life is hard. But life was meant to be enjoyed, not just endured. Living by faith ignites a fire in our belly. It magnifies a passion that God has placed within each one of us. Guys, faith was intended to be an adventure. For some of you, this was your first time to trust God with your generosity. You've never done it before, and it's scary, and I get that. For others of you, you made a sacrificial gift. And I'm just saying that in both cases, I recognize it was hard. And yet at the same time, it felt right because you knew you were being obedient to what the Lord asked you to do. For the next few minutes today, I want us to look at a few characteristics of faith. I want you to think about these, and if you're taking notes, number one, is faith perseveres even when everyone around you says give up. Faith perseveres even when everyone around you says to give up. Guys, do you ever feel overwhelmed? It's kind of a silly question, I know. We all do at times. Maybe you're struggling with a health issue, or your marriage is in trouble, or you're hurting financially. Guys, whatever it might be, sometimes it feels like it would be easier to give up. Sometimes it feels like it would be easier just to quit. And of course, there's no shortage of opinions in our world, is there? There's no shortage of opinions in our life. People asking questions like, why would you put yourself through this? Why don't you just get a divorce? Why don't you just quit that job? I wouldn't take those treatments if I were you. Listen to me, friends, faith perseveres. It stays focused on God regardless what it is that you're going through. Faith refuses to give up no matter how hard life is. Now, I've said this to you many times before. We've talked about this on many occasions. I don't believe that God causes the struggles in our life, but I do believe that he wants to work those struggles out for our good if we will just trust him. He'll use the difficult situations in life to help us grow if we'll only allow him to. I think that's what James is trying to explain in James chapter 1, which, by the way, James is an incredible book if you haven't read it, because James is so darn blunt. He just speaks his mind and says it the way it is. And in James chapter 1, he says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind. And you think, I don't think about that as joy, but James says it is. Consider joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Guys, do you wanna have a stronger faith? Then refuse to give up. Determine that you're gonna finish the course no matter what. I want you to listen to what Paul said when he came to the end of his life. In 2 Timothy chapter four, Paul writes, he says, for I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. In other words, Paul knows he's coming to the end of his life. He knows that his days are numbered. He says, I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight, and I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. Guys, if you read the the New Testament, some of the letters that Paul wrote, you know that he went through a lot. Seriously, he was in prison several times for his faith. He was shipwrecked. He was snake bitten. He was beaten with 39 lashes five different times. Three times he was beaten with rods. He was stoned, cold, and naked. He was hungry and thirsty. And he goes on and on and on to describe some of the things that he went through. And yet, in spite of all these things, he says what? He said, But I finished the race. In spite of all the difficulties, in spite of all the hardships, I finished the race, and I kept the faith. Guys, that's the determination that you and I need to make in our life as well. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. In other words, he's saying this is a determination you need to make in life because our joy is not based on our circumstances. We've talked about this a lot. Our joy is not based, happiness is based on on our circumstance. You know, if things are going my way, I'm happy. If things are not going my way, I'm not happy. But joy has nothing to do with our circumstance. Joy has everything to do with my relationship with Jesus Christ. And so therefore, I have to make a determination. I'm going to rejoice no matter what, regardless what I'm going through. Guys, I don't want Northview to be a church that just goes through the motions week in and week out. I want Northview to be a church that dares to dream. A church that demonstrates bold faith in the communities that we are represented and literally around the globe. Guys, as you know, our secondary goal is 77 million dollars over two years. And it's by far the most aggressive goal that we have ever had. And yet at the same time, we're a large church with well over 11,000 people that we have a responsibility to disciple. Listen, guys, not only do we need to be bold as a church, hear me please, not only do we need to be bold as a church, but each one of us needs to be bold in our individual lives. And that's not always easy. Because, guys, in every one of our lives, there's going to be a lot of potholes along the way. There's going to be a lot of difficult situations. Jesus warned us that difficult times would come. There's gonna be times where you wonder if it's really even worth it. It it might feel easier to give up on your dream or to give up on your marriage or to quit your job. But friends, listen to me, please. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. But you're not gonna see that fulfilled if you don't persevere. You're not gonna see that fulfilled if you don't finish the race. You're gonna miss out on all that God has for you if you don't stay the course. Listen, not only does faith persevere, but number two, faith steps out when the world tells you to stay put. Faith steps out when the world tells you to stay put. Sometimes well-meaning people tell us to stay right where we are, to not be so bold, to not move forward. I don't know why people oftentimes give that kind of advice. I don't know if they're afraid that we're gonna fail, or maybe they're just envious of our tenacity and faith. I don't know, whatever the reason, we're often ridiculed by our family and our friends when we try to step out in faith. And oftentimes, you're gonna hear things like, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to rock the boat? You know, there are so many, guys, there are so many different examples Throughout Scripture of what I'm talking about right now, whether we're talking about the Old Testament or the New Testament, it's all throughout Scripture. For instance, after 40 years in the desert, 3 million plus Jews arrive at a promised land. They'd been in bondage for hundreds of years, and now they're headed toward a promised land. They've been traveling for 40 years around in the desert, going in circles. And they're headed toward this land that God has promised them and told them it was a land full of milk and honey, a land that he told them was theirs. And all they had to do was go in and possess it. But instead, they were afraid. So they sent out 12 men to spy out the land and to come back and give them a report. And when they returned, Joshua and Caleb said, we can do this. We can surely do this. But the other 10 spies that were with them are saying, no it's easier if we just stay right here. Man, there are giants in the land. We feel like insects when we look at them, and they might kill us. So fear and unbelief keep them from going in and taking what God had already told them was theirs. And then there's Peter. In the middle of a storm, he steps out of the boat to walk on water. While the other disciples, if you get the context of this, it's a major storm going on, and the other disciples are trying to get him to sit down. They're trying to hold him back. They're, they're, they're yelling at him and screaming, Peter, what are you doing? You're rocking the boat. Most of us say that we trust God, and we say that we want to obey him, but guys, until we put feet to our faith, is it really faith? Faith? We can say that we have faith in God, but until we put feet to our faith, until we act upon it, is it really faith? James chapter 2, he also says, suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. You've got you to put feet to your faith. It is dead and it's useless. Now someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds, but I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Again, that's another way of saying it, but he's just saying for faith to be genuine in our life, for it to be real, we have to put feed to our faith. And that's why it's imperative as a church that we continue to do things that we know will impact people's lives, that will help them step across the line of faith. We need to be doers of the word and not just hearers of the word. Guys, we want the doors of this church to be open wide to our community. We wanna create an atmosphere that says, you know what, you don't have to be perfect. You don't even have to be right with God. We just want it to be a place where you feel safe to come in and check out the things of God, to get some of your questions answered. So friends, I ask you, what has God called you to do? What, what dream has he given you? Because I wanna encourage you to step out of your comfort zone. I wanna encourage you to step out of the comfort of your boat and determine that you're gonna trust him. The third thing that I wanna point out is faith dreams of a better tomorrow when the world says live for today. Faith dreams of a better tomorrow when the world says live for today. Today's culture says, you know what, it's all about me. If it feels good, do it, do it if it's what you feel. And yet, if you buy in, listen to me, if you buy into that philosophy, I think you're gonna have lots of regrets when you get to the end of your life. Guys, please hear me on this. Faith recognizes that you were put on this earth to make a contribution. While many best-selling books out there today offer all kinds of advice on how to get the most out of life, that's not the reason that God made you. Hear me. That's not the reason that God made you. You were created to do something significant with your life not just take from it. Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says that basically. He says, for we are, all of us, we are God's handiwork. We were created in Christ Jesus to do what? We were created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Before you were ever in your mother's womb, God had a purpose and a plan for your life. We were created to do good works. When you're serving others, hear me, when you're serving others, guys, you are in your sweet spot. You may think you're not gifted. You may think you're not talented, but that's disbelief. That's certainly not faith because God has given every single believer. He's given every single one of us in this room gifts and talents that he wants us to use for him. And when you utilize those gifts and talents, you are in your sweet spot. You are doing what God created you to do. A few weeks ago when we were in our series on Colossians, I I told you the story about King David and how King David went to Arana and he said, I want to buy this field because I want to build an altar and make a sacrifice to God. How much will you charge me for this field? And Arana said, are you kidding me? You're king. I'm not going to charge you anything for it. I'll just give it to you. And listen to what he said in 2 Samuel 24. But the king replied to Arana, No, I insist on paying you for it. Listen, I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. So David, he bought the threshing floor and the oxen and he paid 50 shekels of silver for them. I love that story. Because David is saying, look, this is not about convenience, this is not about comfort, and it's certainly not about me. This is about God. I'm giving to God, so I want this to cost me something. I want this to be a sacrifice for me. I wanna give God my best. Listen, friends, what matters in life is not the duration of your life, but it's the donation of it. It's not the duration of your life, it's the donation of your life. I'm starting to sound like CJ Johnson, all right. (laughs) It's not the duration, but the donation. In other words, it's not how long you live, but what you did with your life here on earth. The fourth thing that I wanna point out, faith risks failure when the world says play it safe. It risks failure when the world says play it safe. In Matthew chapter 14, Jesus tells the disciples, remember this story, he tells his disciples to get into the boat and go to the other side. Now guys, it was late in the afternoon, And you have to understand the context. These guys were mainly, most of them were fishermen. And fishermen in those days, they could read the clouds. They could read the skies. They knew the weather patterns. They they couldn't turn on the evening news to check out what the weather was going to do. And they're never right anyway. But they had to read the clouds for themselves. And they could probably, when Jesus says to get in the boat, we're going to the other side, they could probably see that there was a storm brewing off in the distance. So they might have even questioned if this was really the right time for them to go. Maybe they should wait until things clear up or until the storm clouds dissipate. Friends, listen to me. There's always gonna be storms in our life. And if we wait for every dark cloud to go away, we will never accomplish anything for God. And of course, we can always, and we always seem to be able to do this, we can come up with a hundred different reasons why this is not the best time. When someone asks us to do something or use our gifts and talents, we've got all of these reasons why, maybe later. Maybe we should wait for the economy to improve, or maybe we should wait until the kids get a little bit older, or maybe we should wait until we pay off our home. And God is saying, listen, are you going to trust me or not? You know, several years ago, again, for those of you that have been around Northview for a while, several years ago, I felt like the Lord said that I want you to reach 25,000 by 2025. That became our BHAG, big, hairy, audacious goal. And then COVID hit. It seemed unlikely before, but then COVID hit. And now 2025 is only three years away. How in the world are we ever going to accomplish something like that? We're just setting ourselves up for failure, aren't we? Honestly, I don't know how we're gonna do it, but a BHAG is an unachievable goal. So we're gonna do our best and leave the rest up to God. Listen, church, God called us to get into the boat and go to the other side. So that's what we're gonna do, even if it doesn't always make sense. I know 25,000 just seems completely unrealistic, and I know it would be a whole lot less embarrassing if we just stopped talking about it. Maybe just don't, maybe everybody will forget that we were talking about it. And other people would try to argue, and other people would push back and say, well, Steve, to be real honest with you, why do we talk about numbers anyway? And I already said it earlier on, because every number has a name, and every name has a story, and every story matters to God. Every number represents a soul. And so it is important to God, and since it's important to God, it should be important to us. That's why we talk about it. Friends, again, Jesus is looking for Christians that are willing to get out of their comfort zones. He's looking for believers that are willing to declare Christ first and to give him their very best. Will it always be easy? No, absolutely not. The disciples got into the boat, but just as they feared, they encountered this really, really bad storm. I mean, they were afraid they were gonna die. That's how bad the storm was. These were fishermen. They were used to being on rough waters, They were used to getting caught out in a storm, but this one had them bothered. Listen, friends, obeying God can be hard, and I'm sure there will be some disappointments, and I'm sure there's gonna be some failures along the way, but do you remember what Jesus told the disciples when he told them to get into the boat? Do you remember what he said when he said get into the boat? He said, we're going to the other side. He, He didn't say that we're going halfway over and drown. We're going halfway over and then we're going down. He said, We're going to the other side. You can take Jesus at His word. Friends, Jesus has given us the Great Commission and has instructed us to go into all the world and make disciples. So, regardless of how hard it might be, we have our marching orders and we simply need to trust Him while their boat while their boat was being tossed all over the place by the large waves. I mean, you can just, if you can picture this in your mind, uh, being out on the open sea like this, and waves are slapping up against this fishing boat. And they see what they think in the distance. They can't hardly see through all of the rain and the waves, but what they see in the distance, they thought was a ghost walking on top of the water. But Peter recognizes this is no ghost. He recognizes this is Jesus, and at that moment, his faith begins to soar. And he decides that he doesn't wanna play it safe anymore. He's ready to put it all on the line. Now remember, the context, they are in the middle of a storm, the waves are crashing in around them, the wind is blowing, the thunder is booming, and the lightning is literally lighting up the sky. I don't know about you, but storms get my attention. I left here one night working late and it was storming out and I thought well I'll just go on home so I was going out there and lightning came down and struck one of the trees behind our barn out there at the Carmel campus and I was walking to my car and I turned right back around and went back into the building. I, think, I said I think I'll wait this out. Storms get my attention but here Peter is in the midst of a storm on the water and he's so focused on Jesus that he's not even phased by this storm that's going on around him. In an act of tremendous faith, he literally steps out of the boat onto the water. Seriously, he walked on water. Some of you say, yeah, but Steve, if you read the rest of the story, you'll see that he fell in. He got wet, and that's true. But if you read the context of the story, that only happened after he took his eyes off Jesus, As long as his eyes were fixed on Jesus, he walked on top of the water. The moment, whatever happened that got his attention, I don't know, but the moment he turned from Jesus and appeared at the storm going on, he went down. And so he's still the only man that can say, he demonstrated extraordinary faith because he's the only man besides Jesus to ever walk on water. And if you remember Jesus, then what does he do? He doesn't leave him there to drown. I'm sure he's choking on the water from the waves. But Jesus reaches down and he pulls him out of the water. Friends, listen to me. This is what I know. Jesus is looking for each one of us to demonstrate that same type of extraordinary faith. I I don't know what that looks like for you in this next season. But the question is, the question is, will you trust him? The question is, will you obey him? Remember, God will never, listen, God will never ask us to do anything that he won't first give us the ability to carry it out. And that's certainly true when it comes to our generosity. You know, guys, as I wind down, I'll I'll wind down my tenure as senior pastor of this church in the fall. And as I wind down my tenure, one of the questions, as you might imagine, that goes through my head all the time is I think, okay, I've got got limited time to speak into the lives of the people at Northview. As their senior pastor, I've got limited time. What is it that I want to say? What is it that I want to speak into your life? And I would tell you, this idea of preeminence is at the top of my list, This idea of putting Christ first before all things in every area of my life is at the top of my list. Because guys, if you don't hear anything else I say on the rest of my time, if you don't hear anything else I say, nothing will make a bigger difference in your spiritual journey, nothing will make a bigger difference in your life then, if you get one of those spiritual aha moments and understand what it means to make Jesus Christ preeminent. That he's just not, he's not uh, the first on a list of priorities. He's the paper the priorities are written on. He is what life is all about. It's not about our weekends. It's about giving our life completely and totally to him. Total surrender. Putting Christ first. I've had so many emails during this series, which I've loved. So many of you have emailed me and talked about how God has really opened up your eyes or challenged you in this area. And I love that. I was out here one day and a dad came up to me and he said, you know, I just gotta I gotta confess and tell you, he said, I told my girls, he said, I told my girls they could stay home today because I'm thinking to myself, he said, I'm thinking, it's just a giving series. Why do they need to be here? And he said, then I got to the end of the message and he said, I thought, oh my goodness, I blew it. My girls needed to be here to hear about Christ being preeminent in their lives, to hear about Christ being first in their life. One of the key verses that I used all throughout it was Jesus' words in Matthew 6, when he said what? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first, seek first, seek first. When you seek God first, when you make him preeminent, everything else will be taken care of. You don't need to worry about all the other stuff in your life. It's so important to put Christ first before all things. So guys, are you ready to see what God has done through your generosity? Yeah. Are you ready to see what your two-year total is? As we do, let me also, I wanna show you some of our favorite moments of engagement throughout this period in this journey. And then after that, after you see that, uh, you'll hear the announcement and we're gonna celebrate this thing together. No matter what the outcome, we're gonna celebrate this thing together. Amen. For the past 42 years, the good people of Northview Church have demonstrated such amazing faith. And because of that faith, we've seen him do some amazing things. But friends, I do not believe that God is done. This is the season right now to do some extreme things. When we're at that point, when life is ending, we're gonna wanna know that we held Christ first. Keep your hands open for God's blessing. And then when you get the blessing that comes back out, you can help somebody else. It just comes back out. And you can never outgive the Lord. I don't care if you try, you can't do it. You can't do it. I think we should put God first because He is our King. What excites me about First is that it unites us all as a church. It just excites me that I might be a part of changing someone's life. We believe that God's gonna show up in a mighty way over the next few years, not only for us, but for our church. To me, it's really exciting. You're not alone. You're marching forward with the biggest, coolest dude ever, God, in front of you. Through our collective generosity at Northview, we really do stand as a bright light. You will quickly see that we're a church that's not content with being comfortable or complacent, that we wanna take bold steps of faith It's just a much smoother ride when you trust God. It's His story, we're just parts of it. Church, from day one, this first initiative has been about 100% engagement, which is why I was so encouraged to hear that 265 households have made a first commitment. In other words, it's their very first time to give to Northview, and that represents somewhere around 1,000 people giving for the very first time. And church, so far overall, we have had 2,300 households that have made first commitments, representing somewhere around 9,200 people at Northview who have declared that Jesus is first in our lives and in our generosity i am convinced you look around you just tap into those around you and you sense the level of faith that is welling up among us church we're going to change the world we're going to see god do the unthinkable we're going to see christ advance. we're going to see people come to christ we're going to see marriages restored we're going to see addicts delivered we are going to see this nation come to repentance and we're gonna see the glory of God on display in a way we've never seen before. You ought to give God some praise, and you ought to believe and thank Him for all that He's done, all that He's entrusting us with, and all that He's about to do in and through our church. Come on, somebody. Church, hear me please. Christ is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn over all creation, that in all things He might be preeminent. Church, He is first, he went first, and he is before all things. So friends, let me show you what can happen when we're willing to give him our best and to declare Christ first before all things. So Northview, are you ready to see what our commitments and expected generosity over the next two years will look like? Can we give God some praise? Yes. Wow, you can be seated. I don't know guys about you, but I was blown away. Absolutely blown away by the face of the people in Northview. Yeah. I watched that video this afternoon because we've been, they waited to the very last minute to put it together because literally commitment cards have been coming in all week long. So they waited until uh, Friday evening to finish that up and it just continued to climb and I'm sure it will continue to climb this week. But I was emotional as I watched the video. Guys, you have no idea how many nights I laid in bed and I didn't feel so bold. I began to wonder if maybe I had lost my mind with 77 million. A lot of people were questioning me and a lot of people doubting that. And I said, well, I, they're like, well, how do you know that? How can you? I said, you know what, all I know is what God, I felt like God said to me. We're just trying to be faithful. I just really believe that God is trying to stretch our faith. And once again, Northview, you stepped up. And I'm so, so very, very proud of each and every one of you as your pastor. Thank you. Thank you, church, for giving God your best. Thank you for getting in the boat with us, for declaring that Jesus Christ is first in your life. Guys, I am so excited to see what God is going to do in this next season under CJ's leadership. I really do believe, and I hope by now you've had time, uh, and I know you'll need more time, I'm not telling you that, but you've had time to see that he really is the man that God's calling to lead us into this next chapter. Do you believe that? Yeah. And I don't, I don't wanna spend a lot of time on that, but I just really feel led to share. It's like when we were going through the process, you know, when we were going through this process, it was, a, it was a difficult process for me, as you might imagine. And I remember one, one afternoon on a Friday, Sandy and I sat down and we had narrowed it down to about seven names. And Sandy and I literally, we said, let's just watch 15-minute snippets of all these guys' sermons and just watch three or four of each of their sermons. We're going through all these sermons one day. And CJ came up and it was his time to watch his. And I got emotional. I mean, he hadn't preached five minutes, and I got up from the couch and went to the bathroom. I was emotional. I came back, and Sandy said, what's the matter? And I said, you're looking at our next senior pastor. I'm just telling you. I just felt within my spirit as I watched it that this was the man that God had for Northview Church, and I believe that more today than I did then. And so I'm so excited about what the next chapter is going to look like for Northview Church. Somebody said to me, uh, and I understand what they meant, but they said, well, Steve, aren't you glad you're finally at the finish line for this first initiative? And I said, friends, this is not the finish line. This is the starting gate. This is the starting line of what we're about to do. So today, guys, as we do our first fruits offering, I'm just asking you to give as much of your commitment as you possibly can. Some of you say, well, I can't give anything ahead of time. And that's all right, I understand. But some of you could literally give the whole thing right now. Just give the most you can possibly give. Whatever you came prepared to give today, put that in the envelope. Because again, this is one fund, one fund initiative, which means from this point forward for the next two years, everything that comes into Northview Church all goes into First. And so today, hopefully you've grabbed an envelope already, we've prayed, and even if you're giving online, we want you to give a First Fruits offering if you would as well. It all starts this weekend. So thank you again, guys. Thank you, Northview. I love you all so much, and I'm so impressed with your faith and so very, very proud of you as your pastor. I'm gonna turn this over right now to the campus pastors to receive an offering from each of the campuses. And here at Carmel, you might have noticed on the sides of the rows there's buckets. And so what we're going to ask you to do is that to take those buckets and as you've uh, filled out your card, just drop it in the buckets, pass it down the row if you would and they'll pick it up on the other side. Now guys, the worship team is going to come and we're going to worship again, but uh, there, there are two things that Um, two things that I want to say to you before I turn it over to them. And number one is this. Hear me. You can't tell anybody. We still have Sunday morning services. So raise your right hand. I swear, I will not post this on social media. I will not tell a soul. Okay. Okay. May your TV blow up if you do. (laughs) So, please don't tell anybody. I want it to be a surprise for those on the Sunday morning services. And then secondly, I just wanted to say again, it's Easter, guys. I don't know how to drive that point home anymore. It is Easter. Don't miss this opportunity to invite your unchurched friends and coworkers. This is your opportunity. Northview Church, I love you, and I'm so very, very proud of you.